All right, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the Build Show Podcast. That's right, my weekly time to get together with you guys and go deep. And I've got my old friend Wade Paquin joining me today. We're going to be jumping into a topic that's, I think, a really good one that that deserves some time and some podcast time. We're going to be talking about the relationship between builders and interior designers. You know, we've talked a lot in the past about relationships with architects or relationships with subs. But this particular podcast, we're specifically focusing on interior designers, which can be an amazing addition to your business. They can also be a source of business. We got a great show lined up for you today from the Rockwell Studios in Austin, Texas. Let's get going. All right, guys, before we jump in with Wade on today's podcast, I want to say a huge shout out to our sponsor, Hubert Engineered Woods. You know, Wade and I both have been longtime users of Huber Engineered Woods uh, from their amazing Advantech subfloor that I use, and so does Wade on his jobs, to their zip system sheathing, their glue. I mean, this is just a company that has some incredible products. And the thing that I like about Huber in particular is that they don't just make a product, they make all the accessories that go along with the product. So for instance, you know, I moved to Advantech uh, sheathing a long time ago now, probably uh, on the order of 15 years ago is when I started using Advantech sheathing, uh, or decking, I should say. Uh, they do make sheathing as well, by the way. They make a like a, roughly a half-inch uh, wall sheathing. But in particular, when they came out with their glue, their Advantech glue, this is an all-polyurethane glue. They also came out with a squeak-free guarantee. This is the kind of thing that that they do. They have all the products you need to make sure that things are done right. And to that end, the zip system, if you're not familiar with it, this is that green sheathing you saw in my personal house that I built with uh, that has a integrated water and air barrier on the outside of the sheathing. They make all the accessories that go with that as well. Every flavor and variety of tape that you might need for your seams, for your outside corners, flexible tape that you're going to use when installing your windows to make a sill pan, and a whole uh, amazing array and different sizes of Liquid Flash, which is their fluid applied product that works perfectly with the zip system sheathing. So anyways, guys, if you're not familiar with Huber Engineered Woods, highly recommend you go check out their site and see their incredible family of products that Wade and I are using in our houses uh, on a daily basis. All right, Wade, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Uh, this topic is a particularly interesting one, and, and you just actually gave a big presentation on this topic recently, didn't you, Wade? Yeah, yesterday, uh, my wife and I actually did an IG Live on this exact exact topic, uh, and it's an important one, so I'm excited to talk about it again. Yeah, big time. So, guys, let me introduce, if you don't know, Wade Paquin. Uh, Wade is WKP uh, Construction in uh, based in Rhode Island. What city are you based in, Wade? I'm sorry, I'm totally uh, blanking. Newport and Block Island. Okay, Newport and Block Island. And Wade's been uh, shooting videos with me on buildshownetwork.com since the beginning. Wade's company is set up a little like mine or very similar to mine in that uh, most of his builds, or all his builds mainly, are with outside architecture firms. But I'm curious, Wade, over the years, have you ever had any interior design in-house? Uh, have you generally, generally relied on your architect to provide those interiors? Or have you in the past and or presently referring clients out to specific interior designers? Um, so I'd say early on in my career, um, 
a lot of the projects that we were getting were from architects that we had, <clears throat> excuse me, relationships with. And I think maybe half and half, they had interior designers that, you know, they worked with on a regular basis that they wanted on their project. Um, or the client had interior designer that maybe they've done another project with, right? Because a lot of our projects are second, third, even fourth homeowners. So um, a lot of those clients have worked on another house that have another location with the designer and they want to continue bringing them on board. So a little bit of, of both there. And then over the years, you know, we've developed relationships with other local designers. We're now working with designers from all around the country. Um, and, you know, we don't do any interior design. I've never offered that service. I've never wanted to probably hmm. never will. It's not hmm. something I want to touch yep. um, or be part of our business model. Um, but we are doing interior, uh, we are doing in-house architecture now. So for a couple of years now, we're doing, okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. So more of a design build firm now. And, and so we're continuing to work with designers that we have relationships with and have had relationships with for several years, as well as working with, you know, newer designers that, um, you know, we're meeting through Instagram or through other outlets. So yeah. it's been yeah, an exciting time. So in my office, Wade, I'm curious if you feel the same way. We've said a bunch over the years that, you know, we can work with a lot of different architects and we can work with a lot of different um, uh, plans, for lack of a better term, some more detailed than others. But the interior designer makes or breaks the project. Uh, you know, projects that don't have, let's say, an interior designer, they go very, very poorly when the client's trying to make all those decisions without outside help. And then sometimes if we use an interior designer who's less organized uh, or gives us, uh, you know, a napkin sketch on <laughs> on things, those projects can go poorly. And on the other hand, some of my best projects, happiest clients, most beautifully photographed projects had amazing interior architect or interior designers rather that we just felt like, oh, my gosh, without X, Y and Z in the project, this would have been a total fail. And with them amazing win you know we we hit the lottery by them being on this project what do you think right. about that so, so so you just hit on a, a on a variety of bullet points there that i think are <laughs> tremendously important right so first having the designer on the project right in fact one of our newer policies is especially on like the larger uh, more custom homes larger scale renovations that absolutely need an interior designer if there is not one on board or there are not plans to bring one on board, mm. they're not entertaining those projects because that's how valuable an interior designer is to to that to that type of project, right? Yeah. So, so that brings up like the topic that you just hit on is the value that a designer brings to a project, yep. and that can be you know not excluding the smaller scale projects because some of them do warrant having an interior designer, but certainly sure. on new home construction, larger home construction, larger renovations, <clears throat> that value that they bring is tremendous, right? And it's yes. the the value comes in like, I think in two main categories, right? The experience of the designer, right? An experienced designer is going to understand the construction process, its technicalities, and they're able to offer a very high level perspective of the project, right? Yep. So there's yep. a tremendous amount of value in that. And secondly, we don't, we, our jobs are difficult enough, right? We've yes. probably heard the term, we've talked about it. We're as construction managers, we're masters of chaos, right? So the, 
the process of building a custom home is complicated enough, right? Yes. We don't want to be the ones in the position to have to handhold the client to make key decisions. So this is where that other super valuable area comes in for, for having an interior designer is they're able to control that, right? Having that ability to meet the milestones on the project schedule by helping the client make those key decisions to keep our workflow moving forward and to stay on schedule. So yeah. those are the two things. And then I'll add a third. And, and this is a total selfish <laughs> comment, but I think it's important because like the, uh, the amount of pride that I know you have in your work and we take in, in our work and, and building finely crafted homes that having a designer on board and knowing that that project is going to have a beautiful interior makes the project that much more satisfying, right? It's the cherry on top of the project. So yeah. that's like my, my selfish needs of wanting the interior designer. Totally. Uh, to piggyback on that, I, let me tell you a story way that I think you'll resonate with. When I first started my construction company in 2005, I'd had 10 years of basically production builder work where I never worked with an interior designer. I just had this spec book of, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, flavor C for this house or, or catalog, uh, you know, D, E, and F choices. I had no idea who was making those choices. It was very cut and dried. And we never started a project without knowing everything about, about the house. Uh, and these weren't particularly detailed houses. So here I am in, in Austin, my very first custom home I'm building on my own in 2005. And I got re referred to this older interior designer, a, a one woman show, and little did I know that she was super organized, gave me an incredible package. Now, this this is granted was a spec build, uh, so we didn't have a client involved. Gave me drawings on every wall of every tile area to show me the layout, uh, you know, gave me quantities of tile, just gave me an incredible package basically to build this house that was a, a speculative build. It's funny that uh, her name was Carolyn. Uh, every project since then just about... I kind of measure based on how on how Carolyn would do it. <laughs> you know, I got I was kind of spoiled from the start because Carolyn was super organized. She was old school. She didn't have CAD like she gave me uh, photocopies of her drawings for tile. But I knew everything that was going to happen on the house where every you know, when I met with the tile guy, I didn't have to call Carolyn and say, hey, what do you want with this layout? This doesn't make sense. I had a picture of every wall that had tile on it. Right. Fast forward uh, a project or two later, I have an. Uh, disorganized interior designer. I have an interior designer that's like giving me house photos of it's supposed to look like this, right? And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do with a house photo? Uh, and, a, you know, whatever the the uh, the minimal amount of, of data was that that was contained with that. Like this doesn't, this isn't what I need. I need an organized person who can help me. What's, what's your experience with uh, with that? And tell me about uh, kind of over the years who you've worked with that way. Yeah, we, I, I mean, I've gone through those same scenarios, um, certainly, you know, in my earlier days doing this when, to be honest, I just didn't know better, right? You know, yeah. your business is evolving, you're starting to work with more designers, you, you know, and and these things just happen. But um, but now, you know, we know better and and now we have systems in place for that, right? You have a very systems-based mm -hmm. you know, business model, as do I, and and we want to make sure that we we are partnering and, and collaborating with like-minded 
interior designers in, in terms of those um, aspects, right? So yeah. um, it's why we continue to work with the designers that we, you know, can, like I have one designer, we always have three or four projects going on at any given time together, right? Because yeah. they're organized. And when we meet new designers that, you know, want to work with us, or maybe we want to work with them or the client is bringing them to the conversation as a potential fit, we're having those initial conversations and, and essentially vetting them out, right? And you can tell in the first five or 10 minutes if they have systems in place, if they're organized, right? Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, is key for the success of the of the project is to make sure that uh, the designer is, is strong in communication yep. and has strong internal processes and systems. Because if if you don't have either of those things, then projects can go sideways, right? That they're not going to be able to give you the information that you need to stay on your schedule. And you know what's going to happen when you're faced with that type of situation. So, um, so yeah, we try and, you know, partner with designers that, that have communication and systems in place that understand the, the importance, especially in like pre-construction of issuing, you know, all the finished schedules and, and and being able to to really like i'll even add like collaborate with us on the level of like i had this great conversation with an interior designer the other day where um she basically custom designs all of her interior case like casing and profile work everything wow. has her signature on it like it's a very that's cool we know how important like mill work is to a project right we can talk to brent about that all day long yeah we could um and that's her mindset is, you know, millwork is so important and she wants to design the profiles and she had these sketches of, you know, kind of the base and case detail and the dimensions huh. on it. And she had, she had like the proactiveness in, and we're in, again in like schematic design on a house we're designing and we're walking through some very early conversations and we're starting to understand what the interior package might look like. And she brought to our attention, like, or do you guys want me to, or is this something you guys do to go through the house and make sure that that casing is going to work at every door location, right? We don't want to have to rip it down. We don't want it applying directly to the wall because in those scenarios, what's the point of specifying the detail if it's not going to work? Right. If this four inch casing gets buried into a wall, that's two inches away and it gets ripped down. It's going to look terrible. Right. So, but again, like that's that level of communication and experience of a designer that you're like, you, you, you click with them. Cause like, that's what we do. That's really yeah. important to us. And, and to hear it, this is the first time we've worked with her and to hear like, that's her mindset and she's being proactive about it, like really resonates with us, you know, that's huge. I want to ask your advice, Wade, for the builders, remodelers, architects that are listening to the podcast. Uh, they may be thinking, you know, I don't have that trusted person that I've worked with on every project that I can refer to, how do I find them? Uh, and I'm curious from, from, from your perspective, like once, once you find somebody that you think, uh, you know, you like their personalities, you like their business, maybe you like their portfolio. How do you get, how do you, let's say, ask their referrals, the right questions about working with them? And or how would you evaluate the deliverables? You know, like thinking about architects, you know, I always tell people, look, don't just look at their website because if they're a good architect, they work in multiple different styles. Uh, You want to get to know their personality a little bit and some interview time. 
You want to ask referrals what it was like working with them, but you also want to ask them for a, a, a sample copy of what their deliverables are going to look like. Because frankly, there's a huge difference and a huge disparity uh, between firms and what their deliverables. Any advice for this on this front for interior designers? Yeah, I, I think it's all of that, right? I mean, I think those are all the same questions you should be asking when it comes to potentially working with a designer you haven't worked with before. Um, but, you know, personality obviously is important, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're, we get involved in these 12 plus month long projects. So we're, we're in a relationship with, with the designer, just like we are with the architect. So we yeah. need to get along. We need to trust each other. We need to know we can communicate openly every day of the week. Um, but again, I'd, I'd highlight everything you just said and ask to, I mean, this is something like we do with like clients now, like vetting everything out, right? You know, when before when you as the builder are getting interviewed for a project, the client asks you a bunch of questions or the, or, and or the architect, and you just answer them and, you know, you get off the call and you hope maybe you got the job. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's that whole, you know, bid, you know, design, bid, build process. It's a broken system. That's yep. a whole other podcast. But, yeah, is. Um, but like, I think the industry wasn't asking the homeowner the right questions, right? And 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 that kind of caught my attention a while ago. So now we ask the, the client, you know, have you worked with a builder before? Have you done yeah. new construction? Have you done a renovation? Who was your builder? I want to talk to that builder and find out how you were as a client. It's great. The same, same can be said for the interior designer, you know, who, who, what builders and what clients have you worked with? I mean, generally we know we only give referrals for clients that are, most likely going to say really great things about us, right? Yep. You're not going to yep. give someone a referral for someone that doesn't like you. <laughs> sure, that's right. So, so you know these are already good relationships if you're getting a list of referrals from a designer or whoever. Yep. But, so call that client, but also I'd say talk to the builder that was on that job to find mm. out how that relationship was, right? Were they able to keep that builder on schedule and on time and on budget and all, and all those things. How did they, how did the design team communicate? Cause it's not always between principal to principal, right? I'm not the point person for the projects dealing with the principal designer. My managers are working with the project managers from the design team. So I want to find out how that design team communicated um, not only with that builder, but that other builder's subcontractors, right? I don't want, the design team showing up on on my job sites and giving directions to my subcontractors on moving something or changing something without it going through us. So there's all these little nuances that you can flush out in those conversations. Yeah, that's really smart. How how do you figure out if an interior designer is going to be uh, uh, someone that changes their mind a lot? It's kind of a random side note, but uh, yeah, that's a tough I, one. Yeah, you know, I've got some. Uh, I got a an architect that I've worked with a bunch over the years that I really like, but he often gets to the job and was like, you know, now that I see this, I don't like it. You know, we need to do this, this, and this. Uh, and you know, I'm a cost plus builder, so if the client's like, yeah, that's great, you know, okay, you know, here's roughly what's going to cost. Let me know if you want, want to do that. I'll certainly do it for you. Uh, but as my business has matured and I've got more people and more systems. I'm, I'm less inclined to want to do that. And I'm more inclined to working with projects that are, uh, you know, kind of fully baked from the start, if, if that makes sense. 
Sure. Yeah. And I, and I would agree with that. And I think that's a hard thing to flag early on, especially if you don't know the person. But right. I think it's just the nature of this industry, frankly, that when the house starts to come alive and you actually see the space, there might be that light bulb moment that, hey, wait, this makes more sense to do this now. Yeah. I just want to be part of that conversation. And I think the the, the topic of that would be unifying with the interior designer, right? I talked about this on this IG live yesterday, how important being in sync with the interior designer is. And so to use your example of changing something on the fly there, that suggestion might make total sense. It might be a great idea. It might even be a cost saver, like, right. It's not always a bad thing, but let's talk about it internally first, especially if there's a cost implication with it. And let's figure out if it makes sense. Let's figure out if it's something that we just want to take care of internally. And we don't even need to bring to the client's attention because it doesn't affect the design intent or the cost of the project. But if it does affect one or the other, let's make sure we agree on what we're doing first before we go to the client. Because if the client finds out the designer wants to do something and then the client's the one calling me, and saying, hey, did you hear so-and-so wanted to move the wall for this reason or whatever? And I say, no, I haven't heard that. That's not a good sign for your client that you and your designer, builder designer, are not communicating. You're not in sync. You're not unified. Yeah. So I think that's like another really important takeaway in this conversation today is to make sure builder and designer are unified, even if you don't agree on something. You know, you sh you should find a way to get on the same page to to unify before the client, um, you know, is involved in that conversation. Yeah, that's good. I'm curious from from your perspective, Wade, when when you've got a client that's got uh, interior designer A and B that they're interviewing, and the client, let's say this is kind of a hypothetical, but I'm curious how you'd handle this. And the client comes to you and says, "Hey, I interviewed A and B." and I like them both, and A is X dollars, and B is 2X, uh, or 1.5X, and in your mind, you know B is unbelievable. Like, they're a great firm, they're easy to work with, they're super detailed, and the, and the less expensive uh, interior designer is kind of okay, but can't hold a candle to the output of, of B. How do, you, how do you encourage your clients to spend the money on that really good interior designer? Well, you get what you pay for, right? I mean, that's lesson number one. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I think it, you know, it goes to, you gotta kind of have to put the money aside a little bit and think about, again, that long-term relationship, right? You're, you're going to be communicating with that designer, at least in the beginning of the project, you know, pre-construction into start of the project on maybe even a daily basis or certainly numerous times a week. So if you get along with one, that's a huge sign. And, and just like what I say, like clicking, right. You want your personalities to click. So if you yeah. click with one versus the other, and the one you click with happens to be the more expensive one, uh, I hate to say it, but that's probably who you should work with um, for that reason. Plus, if you can already tell that what they bring to the table in terms of, again, communication and systems and things like that, then there's tremendous value there. You're getting what you pay for. It's going to make your 
your life easier. It's going to make mine as a builder easier. It's going to bring less stress to the job. Um, and can you really put a price tag on that at the end of the day? I don't, probably not. Right. So, um, probably the person you'd want to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, uh, it's a hard one to explain to a client who's never been through the process before, but if they've been through the process, it's a really easy one to explain to them. Totally. Right. I agree. Uh, yeah. they're willing to spend the money. They're willing to, uh, to output on pre-construction work that seems like it has, uh, a lesser value compared to the, you know, X dollars that you've inputted in the budget for your countertops. That's very tangible. Uh, right. and, and the other thing that I think uh, is the uh, X factor here is, you know, every house that you and I have built that's ever been in a magazine uh, had an amazing interior designer involved. Uh, and that interior designer spent many, many hundreds, if not thousands of hours thinking about how to make that house look the way it looked. And, uh, and yes, you want a great architect, but boy, if you eliminate the interior designer or hire an unqualified person, the project will never be the same. And it'll never be the same ever. You're, you're spot on with that. And, and, and there's so many, like, I'm thinking of a few other things that, that provide that, that value with, with that relationship of that more highly qualified designer is think about like the shop drawing process, right? Oh, yeah. Big time. Like an experienced shop, an experienced designer is going to be able to navigate complex detailed shop drawings. On a, on a much higher level, they're going to be able to turn those around, redline them and turn them around quicker to you to keep your schedule going and keep get your cabinet fabricator going on and, you know, making the, the units. And, and so it's all of those things in the process. And there's so many of them that that come into play with uh, hiring that designer that can bring all of these things to the table. Yeah, that's right. Have you gotten any referrals on uh, projects from designers? Maybe that didn't, ha maybe didn't time. even have an architect, but uh, the designer specifically said you should interview WKP. All the time, all the time. Uh, we've got uh, we've got around twelve or so active projects right now. I'd say at least four wow. are at least four are from uh, designer referrals. How about I, that? That's awesome. I would say uh, two of those don't didn't even require an architect because they were full gut renovation jobs. Um, so the design, the designer that we're working with on a couple of those jobs, you know, they, they provided the interior plans for everything. You know, here's, here's your demo plan. Here's your framing plan. Here's your finishes, elevations, like the whole nine yards. So, Dang. Uh, but that's, you know, again, that's one of those perks. Yeah. Of aligning with a, a designer that you enjoy working with, that you get along with. Like I, I, I go out to lunch with her frequently, right? Like these are long-term relationships and it's the, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, right? Yep. She's going to feed me some work. And when I have a project on the table that is needing a designer and I think that she is a good fit for this project, I'm going to let my client introduce my client to her and see if they get along yeah um, but a part of it's like matchmaker too right i i, I i'm learning the, my client's personality and i can think of you know three or four designers that we work with regularly and i'm like okay she she might be the one that's gonna really like jive personality wise Click. yeah and i think the aesthetic might work too so this could be a match yeah you know and, and uh and that's always a fun connection when you have those initial 
meetings and we had one recently I had the client and, and the designer on a zoom meeting they met each other first time on the video it was an unbelievable meeting everyone got along you tell everyone clicked i got off the zoom call my client called me literally 30 seconds later and they said wade hire her <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i love it that brings another question though are you hiring those interior designers under your contract or are your clients hiring them direct no, they, they, they hire them direct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the way I work too. Yeah. That's interesting. This is kind of a side note, but I'm curious, uh, from your business, do you send gifts, uh, at, you know, Christmas holiday time to, uh, people that refer you business or that you want to refer you business? Yeah, we, every, every holiday season, I've got a long list of, you know, old clients that, get gifts every year because they were great clients. I still talk to them. I may golf with them, um, may go back and do additional work for them. Mm -hmm. Projects that are currently under construction, all the architects that we work with, all the designers that we work with. And then I send gifts to all the designers and architects that I want to work with. Uh, smart. So everyone gets a, a, a very kind of thoughtful, customized gift each year. That's really cool. Yeah. So you, yeah. so in other words, really what I'm hearing is that these are relationships you've fostered over a long period of time. And I think, 20 years. yeah, there you go. And, and I think that's a great message for the younger builder, the younger architect, the younger, uh, remodeler listening to the podcast is, you know, a huge part of Wade and I's success has been from fostering long-term relationships. Uh, and, and I think you could almost take that across our business. You know, I was talking to someone today about their, a client about their project and they wanted to use an electrician they knew. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to talking to them, but I've got an electrician that I have a 15 year relationship with that does great work for me. And, uh, you know, we'd have, it would be a rare occasion that I wouldn't use that electrician on your project because I have a long-standing relationship. We care for each other. We actually like each other. We like doing business together. Uh, you know, when I need something, he puts me at the top of the list, even though there's, you know, at least a couple other builders he works for. I think that same thing can go for uh, interior designers, for architects, uh, for really across the board in our businesses. It's those long-term relationships that create success. It goes right down the line, right? From architects, designers, to your electrician, your plumber, your HVAC guy, your tile, you name it. Yep. Right. I mean, we have sometimes, you know, multiple electricians just because the volume that we do, yeah. we, we can't have one electrician that can keep up with everything. So yep. we, we have new, you know, numerous um, tradesmen for each specific trade. Um, but do, you know, we get, we get electricians and other trades that come to us and all the time, whether it's through Instagram or an email or a mailing. I get mailings in the office. I had one from a local trim work company the other day. They just do interior trim. Hmm. Look, you know, people looking to get in and get someone get a piece of our work. And yeah. and and I admire that. Right. That's yeah. how I when I started and I was sending things to architects to try right. and get on their Right. So I can appreciate it. Um, it's a small percentage that you're just going to walk, you know, I'm going to get the inquiry and we're going to just hand you a job, but I'm going to check out your work. I'm going to look at your Instagram, you know, I'm going to Google you. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to check 
you out. And if I, if I like what I see, then I'm going to call you. I'm going to want to look at a job. I want to talk to some builders you've worked with. And if those boxes are all checked, then I may bring you in as a, you know, a new electrician on a smaller job and see how it goes. Right. Yep. I'm not going to take the risk of bringing in a new trade on a 5,000 square foot custom home and having oh, it go sure. sideways because of one guy. So. Yeah. And, and that same thing goes with interior designers too, really. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, I mean, we, we don't want to refer out to an interior designer that we haven't worked with and know is going to do a good job and, and make us look good uh, as a builder. Right. You don't want to end up with shag carpet on your wall unless that's a trend now. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> do we, do we miss anything on this topic, Wade? What, uh, what haven't I asked you or, or what on this topic, uh, did we miss that you talked about yesterday when you were, uh, on Instagram with Caitlin? Um, that's Wade's I wife, mean, by would, the way. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, we, I think we talked about it before, or at least it was from the build team here be, before the, the podcast, there was a note I saw somewhere on um, how a des- how interior designer can help um, make decisions on things like uh, lighting and, and other things. And, and I think that's a worthy topic too, because again, a, a good experienced designer is going to really be able to help navigate that, right? A lot of times uh, when there's an interior designer on a project, the electrical plan and the RCP are coming from the interior designer. Um, and I also think it's important to note if there's a newer builder, a newer designer listening to this, that there's, there's a pretty stark difference between an electrical plan and an RCP, an yeah. RCP, uh, reflected ceiling plan that yep. the electrical plan is going to show you everything from lights, outlets, you know, receptacles and switches, everything that's connected by a wire is going to be on your electrical plan where the RCP is just what's on the ceiling. So yep. of course, if there's light fixtures, flush mount, recessed, that's going to show on that plan as well as, is it a coffered ceiling? Is it wood paneled, right? These are all the things that come on that plan and, and the two coincide, right? If the electrical plan needs to marry up to a ceiling plan is going to have coffered ceilings. What I like is when a designer is thinking through all of that early on, as early as like framing mm-hmm. and we together can identify, well, there's a floor joist right where three recess cans need to go. Yep. Can we move those recess cans over four or five inches or do we need to move the framing because those lights have to be in a specific area? So a good designer is going to like think through those things and help you kind of identify that um, ahead of framing. Um, it's just like when you're working with a good plumber that says, Hey, you, you've got the toilet flange dead center on a joist here. We need, you know, we need to move that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. There's so many decisions to be made building a house. So way. And I made a few, I, I've made <laughs> a few of those mistakes on my recent build for my family too. And I've got, I've got one, uh, four year crown molding that played havoc with a, with the only spot I could put a, uh, uh, a grill, basically a, 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 a wall grill. And so I had to return my crown instead of, uh, letting it go through. And it still bugs me to this day. It's one of those mistakes that I walk by and go, Oh, dang it. Yeah. Totally messed that up. Can you move that supply return grill down? It's no, no, yeah. it, it's, I couldn't, I really, there's not much I could have done with it, but it, it was my poor planning ultimately. Right. Mm. And, right. uh, 
it's it's something that as the builder and the homeowner i'm going to see for the rest of my life but what are you going to do it reminds right. me that nothing's perfect all right <laughs> well, hey, you, you probably you probably would not have let that happen in one of your clients houses i wouldn't have I wouldn't know. You were your own project manager and you got a million things going on and, and there's a result, right? Yeah, there's there's more than one thing in my house that I, that I was like, <laughs> you know what? I bet my wife won't even notice this, but I'm, I'm going to let this go because it's not worth the brain damage. Here's, here's a funny one for you. Uh, and this is totally a side note, but my kitchen sink, uh, I put a casement in front of my kitchen sink and my casement window opens about two inches before it hits my Kohler faucet. Because <laughs> it's an interior swing encasement, I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking out swing casement. Well, it was an in swing, and you know, I didn't realize it until he put the sink in. And the pl I think the plumber was like, "Uh, what do you want me to do with this?" I was like, "Nothing. You don't need to do yeah. a thing with it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna never open that window. That's what we're gonna do with it." <laughs> it happens. It but again, happens. It highlights, you know, how many decisions and variables that there are in, you know, new home construction, especially on a higher level, right? It's oh my just, gosh. It, it like makes your head spin, right? It does. There's so much to think about. <laughs> that's for sure. This is a this is a hard business, but it sure is a fun one. Wade, I really appreciate your time, brother. We should we should probably wrap this up. If you want to go watch Wade uh, and see his videos. He's over on buildshownetwork.com. Uh, and we are in the middle of filming uh, a series of videos about his company building in a house out on Block Island, which is, uh, how far off the coast is Block Island, Wade? I can't remember. Uh, it's about 12 miles off the coast. So uh, Block Island is 12 miles off the Rhode Island coast. And Wade's team has been building this house uh, in a crazy year during the pandemic uh with uh, you know a very limited trade base and as you can imagine on a small island very limited amount of trades uh with really all the materials being brought over on a boat from the mainland uh what episode number are we on now wade we're almost done with that house uh 15 16 maybe yeah, yeah i think we got maybe one or two episodes left to film out there and i'm coming up to see you and film uh, in a week or two but in the meantime, go catch up with the first 14 or so episodes. That's both on YouTube and buildshownetwork.com. And you can also catch up with Wade uh, on his Instagram feed. It's at WKP underscore construction uh, on Instagram. Anything else we need to plug for you, Wade? Any other places people can find you? Uh, that covers it. That's that's perfect. Thank that's you. That's it. And his cell number is 71429. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> guys thanks so much for joining away tonight for this uh topic if you're not currently a subscriber hit that subscribe button below you know we've got new podcasts coming up every single friday with that being said from the rockwool studios here in austin texas follow us on tiktok or instagram otherwise we'll see you next time on the build show podcast